Our scripture this morning says that we are saved by grace through faith. This is a wonderful formula. And I wanted to tell you why we are going to have a sermon series on grace for this month. A lot of it stems from the fact that I simply love grace. I think it is one of the best doctrines that the Methodists have come up with. And for me, grace, the doctrine of grace is the one that informs everything else. It informs how we treat each other, it informs how we treat the church, it informs how we treat the earth, it informs how we read scripture, it informs our understanding of Jesus upon the cross. The idea of just grace just goes everywhere. And I think one of the things that John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, brought to Christianity was an understanding of grace that seems to just show up in other denominations as well. I want to preach on it because it's one of the reasons I'm still Methodist. It's because of this understanding of grace. I love talking about grace. I think it is the coolest thing that God does. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Today we're going to talk about grace in general. And with John Wesley, there's one grace, but it comes to us in three kinds. Well, there's three more Sundays left in the month of July. And so we'll treat each one on each of the coming Sundays. Today we're going to talk about grace in general, and then we're going to get into what John Wesley, some of what he said today, but more of what he said in the following three weeks. And I'm just excited to do this. I'm excited to talk about grace. We're going to talk about saved by grace through faith. The first thing we need to know, and it is exactly as the scripture said it, grace is a gift from God. Grace is initiated by God. God initiates grace. Grace is unearned. We can do absolutely nothing to earn God's grace. Grace is God's favor upon us, and we don't do anything to earn that. It's just a simple gift. Grace is an expression of God's love and mercy. It's God saying, I love you, and this is how much I love you. That's what grace is. It's it's a gift that God gives us for no reason other than that God loves. We can't do anything to earn God's grace. When I was growing up, my family would eat meals together, breakfast and dinner in particular. I grew up in the South, so Sunday dinner was the highlight of the week. Some of you had families like that. Some of you have, have heard of families like that. But that's the way it was in my household. That Sunday lunch after church was the epitome of the week. And what I can remember most about those lunches is my mother's fried chicken. My mother did not buy chicken parts at the store. She bought the whole chicken, and it was pulling and tugging and sawing and knifing to create the different pieces that we were going to eat. And boy, you better believe we left the skin on. There was none of this pulling the skin off part. No, 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 no. And that chicken had to go in buttermilk. Now, buttermilk seals in those juices and makes that chicken just... My mouth is watering. And you had to put it in flour, but the flour had to be in a paper sack. Always in a paper sack. You dip the the chicken in the buttermilk, you put it in the paper sack, and you had to shake it. That's how you make fried chicken. 
and I, many of you have been at potlucks where you've had the fruit salad that I make. That always goes along with fried chicken. Every time we had fried chicken, we had mama's fruit salad. It was usually maybe a roll, maybe some green beans, but it was the highlight of the week when mama would make fried chicken and fruit salad in that Sunday lunch for all of us. She did that because she loved us. She made meals for us because she loved us. It wasn't because we behaved well during the week. It wasn't because we didn't behave well during the week. It was because she loved us. And I wonder how many times I actually said, thanks, Mom. Thank you for doing that. I wonder how many times I ever said it. I wonder how many ever times I just didn't think to say it or forgot to say it. God loves us not because we're good, not because we're bad. God loves us simply because God loves us. It's a gift that God gives to us. It's an expression of God's love and mercy. That's what grace is. How many times do we stop and say, thank you for loving me, God. Thank you for loving me. One thing that John Wesley is known for saying is that grace is free for all and free in all. Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, whosoever shall believeth in him shall have eternal life. God so loved the world. It doesn't say God so loved believers. It doesn't say God so loved the Jews. It doesn't say God so loved the United States of America. It says God so loved the world. We profess that God loves all people. John Wesley professes that God's grace is free in all people, free for all people. We're going to talk about prevenient grace next week. It's where the free in all really kicks in. When we look at someone else, no matter what they look like, where they came from, how they talk, what they believe, there's grace in that person. That's what we believe as Methodists, is that grace, God's love, freely given, is in all people. I grew up in Alabama, y'all know that. I grew up in Alabama. In the state of Alabama, at a very young age, you have to declare your loyalty either to the University of Alabama or to Auburn University. It runs in your very blood. I saw an ESPN special one time on the Auburn-Alabama rivalry, and these newscasters will tell you they see nothing like it in any other part of the country. And I can honestly say, I've lived in Texas long enough, I can say this now. Texas and Texas A&M and Texas and Oklahoma, that's not a rivalry. You've seen nothing until you've been in Alabama. The Auburn and Alabama rivalry is deep. In 2011, the University of Alabama, University, excuse me, Auburn University learned something that was rather tragic. 
at the Auburn campus, right at, this, right at the, the very northeastern corner of campus, is what's called Tumor's Corner. There's a drugstore, Caddy Wampus, across the way from Auburn University that is Tumor's Drugs. And lining both sides of the streets are these oaks that have been there for hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. And what you do is, when Auburn wins a football game, or a basketball game, or a major championship, you take your toilet paper down, and you roll the oaks at Tumor's Corner. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, three or four little strips. I'm talking about a sea of white cascading over these trees, any cars that happen to be parked there, and if the rivalry's big enough, the whole street will be covered in white. In 2011, Auburn fans learned that our trees were dying. And then they learned that a man named Harvey Updike poisoned the trees on purpose. He drove down to Auburn and poisoned the trees the year before. He went live on a radio show to talk about how proud he was that he had done this. Now the reason he did it, get this, this is his reasoning, was because some Auburn fan had taken a Cam Newton jersey and had taped it onto a statue of Paul Bear Bryant, the greatest coach at the University of Alabama. They taped a jersey on a statue, and so he poisoned 100-year-old trees. All those trees had to come down. Now, the interesting thing was there were an awful lot of fans from the University of Alabama that said, this is not who we are and they had a fundraiser drive to help bring new trees in, to help save the trees or bring new trees in. And on a side note, those trees all had to come out. When they brought in new trees, they received, the trees received a police escort. And the roads were lined with people on either side cheering for trees. This is how deep this tradition goes. Who is your rival? Who is it that you hold a grudge so deep? Who is it, be it a person or a group of people, that you have ever thought they don't deserve God's love? Scripture and John Wesley would say, God loves all people. We like the sound of that when it applies to us. We don't always like that sound of it when it applies to Harvey Updike or to some people who work in Washington, D.C. God's grace is free for all and free in all. Now, if you want to impress your friends, know this phrase primacy of grace. Go up to a Methodist pastor and say, I know what the primacy of grace is, and they're going to be thrilled that you know this. Here's what it is. Everything comes from grace. When I say what comes from grace, you say everything. What comes from grace? Everything. What comes from grace? Everything. What comes from grace? Even the knowledge that we need grace comes from grace. Even the knowledge that I have messed up, I need to get back with God, what spurs that knowledge is grace. That is grace working within you saying this is what you need.
Well, now, the first part of this phrase is saved by grace. And we, we do a lot of talk about what we are saved into, that we're saved into heaven, that we're saved into eternal life. I prefer the question, what are we saved from? What does grace save us from? It's a three-letter word, sin. I've used this illustration before, but it works so well, and we just got to keep talking about it so we can get it, get it deep into our, into our mind. Sin is that which separates us from God. Whatever that may be, it's that which damages our relationship with God and separates us from God. Over time, that sin creates a chasm so deep, so wide, so large that there is nothing that a human being can do to cross and fix that chasm. We can't. Sin causes too much damage. So then God nudges us and offers us another gift. God offers us faith in Jesus Christ. When we accept that faith in Jesus Christ, a bridge is built over that chasm. A bridge is built over that chasm and we are brought back into relationship with God. So what does grace save us from? Grace saves us from eternal separation from our Creator who loves us more than we can ever possibly imagine. Grace saves us from eternal separation from the Creator who loves us more than we can ever possibly imagine. That's what grace does. We are saved by grace through faith. That's what that chasm is about. That's what the bridge is about. It's all about God's love. It's all about bringing us back into God's love. And when we recognize, I want to be back in relationship with God, when I recognize, okay, this sin is getting me nowhere, what am I risking? All of those thoughts come from grace. What comes from grace? What comes from grace? For many, many people, the hardest part about grace and the hardest part about God's love is to accept that God loves them. For many people, the idea that God could possibly love me is something they have a hard time accepting. And so for some people, they simply have to accept that you've already been accepted. Repeat after me, God loves me. Repeat after me. God loves me. All right, now say it like you mean it. God loves me. Practice that at home. God loves me. This is an illustration that I have used before, but I'm going to use it again. Dick is a friend of ours from many, many years ago who has worked as an assistant chaplain at the Huntsville State Prison. And one of Dick's specialties is working with the gentlemen who are on death row. And he's had conversations with them about God's love and about Jesus and about the sacrifice of Jesus and how you can have Jesus in your life. He tells the story that one inmate said back to him, the things that I have done in life are so bad, they are so horrendous, that God cannot possibly love me. And Dick's answer was, in a way only Dick could say, are you saying that Jesus' death on the cross was not enough for you? Are you saying that Jesus dying on the cross was not enough for you? What more do you want from God? What more do you want from God? For some people, the idea that 
that they are lovable is a foreign concept. They've been told all their lives they're unlovable. They've been told all their lives that what they're doing is so bad nobody can love them. They've been told all their lives that sin is going to get you nowhere. But how many of us say, guess what? Here's the solution. For some people, accepting the fact that God already loves them is very, very difficult. We don't help matters when we say that God's love is limited. We don't help matters when we say this group of people or this person over here, God can't possibly love them. For us to say that God loves all people, we have to say it. It has to be said. It has to be proclaimed. So that those who think they are unlovable will know, no, 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 no. Jesus loves you. Repeat after me, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Practice that at home. Okay, so grace. Grace is love. That's all grace is. God's grace is God loving. God loving all people. God's love is free for all, free in all. God's love is a gift that God has initiated. We do nothing to earn God's love for us, thanks be to God. No matter what you did yesterday, no matter what you're going to do tomorrow, no matter what's running through your head right now, God loves you. God loves everybody you're going to see today. God loves everybody you're going to pass today. God loves everybody that you're going to get to know today. God's love goes before us because God's grace is in all that we need. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.